Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, we all have uh, pet peeves. Anybody in here got a pet peeve? Uh, anybody got any buttons that people push? I got some buttons, man. I got buttons all over me. There's something you you can turn my best day into my worst day just by pushing some of my buttons. I'm gonna tell you about one of my buttons this morning. I I, I don't. M- most of y'all don't know this about me. Yeah, right. Uh, I am a very ordered person. I like think like I am like going nuts because that one light is unplugged and so none of the I've been going I'm as anal as anal can be and so I'm going crazy that's I like my order I like structure I want to travel the same path every day how many of you get up in the morning you go through the same routine like okay like you brush your teeth first or maybe something else you do and it's this particular order and if you ever change order it messes your whole world up that's me on steroids. I, 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 I'm to, I want to travel the same path every day. I want to pull out of my driveway. I want to turn and go around the stop. I want to come down County Line Road to Wilshire Boulevard and turn left. And then I want to turn right on Council. And then I want to come to 50th. And I want to turn left and drive down to, to the street the school's on and turn right. I don't, I, with all that said, I, I can I just confession to you? I hate detours. I do not like detours. Can't stand it. Can't listen. I'll when I come down Rockwell Avenue, I want to come down Rockwell Avenue. I don't want to take any excursions into like neighborhoods I've never been into. I don't want to see somebody's house I don't know. I want to stay on Rockwell. I'll leave all that stuff to you, adventurous, non-structured, only on time if you're 15 minutes late kind of people that is not me I want to be on a certain path in a certain direction all the time why because detours cost you time and detours cause you to you start your journey secure and confident about where you're going there's there's calm there and then all of a sudden when you're forced to take a new path all of a sudden it doesn't matter how many map applications you have on your phone it doesn't matter that the little lady in your GPS is telling you which way to turn because they get it wrong then they're all of a sudden at least in my life now there's uncertainty and there's nervousness and this uneasiness and I'm unsettled I can have I told y'all lately I don't like detours don't like them but here's the deal what I've realized is that we encounter detours not just in our car, but in our life. See, so, so you got to know how most of us live. I think most of us live our life. We, we've got it all planned out. We've got it all orchestrated. We've got it all structured in what direction we're going to go. But I just came to tell you that our, our lives are constantly being interrupted by detours. And the problem with that is that now all of our settledness is gone and all of our calmness is gone and now there's this uncertainty about us and we don't know how to live. And so we need to talk about detours. You say, well, Steve, that's a weird series to start around Christmas, bro. Haven't you seen the lights? Are you a Scrooge? Are you a Grinch? What's your problem? You're supposed to be preaching like some Christmas series. This is a Christmas series. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Because if if we're gonna talk, see here, here's the reality. 2011, as we gathered together at the end of the year to celebrate the coming year, some of you had expectations about 2012. That now as we close out the year 2012 and you look back, your expectations have not become your realities. I'm preaching. And so if we're going to march boldly into 2013, then we got to know how to handle detours because here's the promise I can make to you. Make all the plans you want to make for 2013. And here's the truth. When we get to 2014, you're going to look back and all your expectations and plans will not have come to pass. Detours. Detours. I hate detours. See, the nature of the detour is this. It brings us to an unexpected end. In fact, the definition of the word detour is this. It is a wandering from the direct path. Yeah. So we need to learn some lessons. We need to learn teachers. I, I, as I scour Scripture, there's probably one character that if, if any character in Scripture understood the nature of detours and was constantly interrupted by detours, it's the character that we're going to talk about this morning. You can join me, if you would, in Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to read a couple verses there, verses 1 and 2 and verse 17. And then we're going to detour Genesis chapter 22. And we'll read some passages there. But let's see if we can learn some lessons about detours. Listen to what it says. It says this in Genesis 17 verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, God showed up and said to him, I am the strong God. Live entirely before me. Live to the hilt. I'll make a covenant between us and I will give you a huge family. Verse 17, and Abraham fell flat on his face, and then he laughed, thinking, Can a hundred-year-old man father a son? That's a detour. And can Sarah, at 90 years, have a baby? Talk about experiencing a detour. I got news for you. I'm 44, and if the Bible, if the, if the Lord comes along and says, I'm going to give you a large family, that is a stinking detour I'm not excited about. Yeah, we, we, my quiver is full, all right? But Abraham, can you get this in your mind? Abraham and Sarah at 99 years old. He must have been a, never mind. He, uh, 99. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God steps in and says, look, I'm going to honor your request. I'm going to bring your promise. This is your legacy. This is, this is the miracle of miracles. I'm going to give you the son that you've always longed. For. This promise comes on the scene in the form of Isaac, and Isaac brings life back to an old man and to an old woman, and this promise brings reason to live again, and the laughter of doubt is overcome a year later with, with, with laughter that only a child of promise can bring. Can you see the scene in your mind? A hundred year old man and a 91 year old woman cuddling with this baby. Well, let, let me see if I can. Where's Tal? Tal, come here. Come here. This is my oldest right here. And uh, let me see if we can't show you what this is like. Come on now. You walk faster than that. I see you walk faster than that all the time. I'm going to stand up here so I'll still be taller than him and be secure. My, my, my pride, my son of promise, all my dreams. This is Abraham, right? All my dreams wrapped up in him. When I when I look at it, he was a baby. Now he's a young man, and and I and I, all my dreams, my future, my legacy is wrapped up in him. He's the 
gleam in my eye. When I get up in the morning, I, I think, man, he's my everything. I'll die for him. I'll sacrifice for him. I long for him. He's, he's mine. He's the gift of all gifts. He's, he's my heavenly father come in the flesh in the form of a young man. That he pro This is him. This is, this is who he is. That's where Abraham and Sarah were. It was the greatest day of their life. But then, Dieter. Yeah, it's Genesis chapter 22. Stay right there. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, and then verses 6 through 10. Listen to the Dieter. It says this, after all this, God tested Abraham. And God said, Abraham. Yes, answered Abraham. I'm listening. And he said, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love. There, there's an insight there. This is the son that you love. This is, this is the one. This is the promise. This is my gift to you. Take him and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. That's a detour, y'all. Abraham took wood. All right, here we go. We got some wood, man. Here, let me load you up, man. I'm too old. I'm 100 years old. I, I can't carry no wood. I, and that's what you're for. You're my pack mule today. There you go. I'm going to load him down. I just give him all, all the wood, and you just hold that, bro, and you just deal. And then the Bible says he took wood, and he gave it to Isaac, to his, his son, to carry. And he carried the flint knife. I told you you should have cleaned up your room. I've been warning you about about obeying when I tell you first time yeah I'm setting you up yeah and he took the flint in the night this is my dream and the two of them went off together and Isaac said to Abraham his father father yes my son must have been a sharp kid we have flint and wood but but where's the sheep for the burnt offering and Abraham said son God will see to it that there's a sheep for burnt offering and they kept on walking together but I want you to see they arrived at the place to which God had directed him and Abraham built a built an altar yeah let, let's stack this wood up yep yeah, let, let's get it good and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he I should have brought some rope he tied him up and put it yeah and he lays him down dad where's the where's the sheep where where is it now what's going on and the Bible says that Abraham reached out and he took the knife and he rears back to kill his own son now wait just a minute we got to take a break that's a detour. It ain't supposed to end this way. I didn't draw it up like this, God. I didn't plan for this day, for the day, the, the very, this is a life ending. You're not just asking for my son. You're asking for my life. The gift that you've given me, you're taking not only the gift, you're taking my life. This is my legacy. This detour is a, a legacy ending detour. This is going to break my heart. This will crush. You're not just killing him. You're killing me. That's a detour wasn't supposed to be like this it wasn't supposed to end like this thank you bro Abraham's experience teaches us an, an important lesson there are deter decisions that you have to make before you arrive at the moment where God is calling you to sacrifice something that cost you and caused you to sacrifice something that you love more than life. There, is a, there are two decisions that you have to make before you ever arrive at this point because if you're not careful and you don't answer the two questions that I'm going to ask you this morning and you don't make these decisions now, when you arrive at the detour, it will ruin your entire life. As we head into a new year and 
we begin to make plans, I want to tell you this morning, you better answer these two questions now before the detours ever come because I want to re- I need to give you some news. Detours will come. They are on their way. If you're not in the middle of a detour right now, you will find yourself before much longer in the midst of a detour and you better have made these detour decisions now. So two questions I need to ask you. The first one is this. What if your expected end isn't his intended end? That was good. I'll amen myself. See, here's the truth. Most of us are on a particular chosen path in life and we have everything planned out and we are, when we are faced with a detour, what we do because we haven't answered this question is we will fight the detour or we will freak out in the midst of the detour. But my question to you, the decision that you have to make is what will you do if your expected end is not his intended end? See, I, I, I think that what happens is that, I, I, listen, I know that bad things happen. We all know that. But I am convinced that a lot of us call things bad that weren't really bad. They're only bad because they weren't expected. Shoot, that was good. I, I, I appreciate it again. Y'all didn't get it. We call things bad not because they're bad. But because the thing that happens to us didn't fall into line with what we expected to happen, and because now we're going down a different path than we planned for, it's bad. And we paint it as bad. Oh, it's so bad. It happened to me. It was so bad. It wasn't bad. You just didn't expect it. See, I, I, I am convinced of this, is that the reason we call things bad is because we don't like the fact that they force us to adjust. We don't like the fact that it makes us uncomfortable and nervous a little bit. In fact, I am convinced that when it comes to our faith, most of us that are following Christ and doing our best to follow Him, most of us are in a constant battle to reduce our need for faith. The longer you know Christ, the more safe you want to play it. And I'll just hang out here in the boat. And when it gets rocky, I'll just stay here. Peter, you get on out of the boat. I'm going to hang out here. And we do everything we can possibly do to not need faith and I am saying to you that you have to make a decision right now what will you do when your expected end is not his intended end see we we, we need to wrestle through a passage of scripture we quote it all the time it's one of our favorite passages to quote I love quoting that the steps of a, a righteous man are ordered of God right yeah so so uh, man I love we quote that but we don't wrestle through listen the implications of that are this if your steps lead you into a painful place if your steps take you into a position where you have to change and adjust then when you quote the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God then there's only two options one you're not righteous or two God ordered your steps into a detour See, I, I, I just think what we've done is we like to quote it like this. We order the steps, and then we ask God to bless the path we have chosen. All right, y'all ain't helping me none this morning, but I, I know I'm on it right now. See, because my question is this, is what if the path that you've chosen is pleasure, but his choice is pain? What will you do? What will you do if your choice is keeping and his choice is for you to give? 
What are you going to do? What are you going to do if your choice was more and his choice for you and your life is less? What, what if your choice, the, the plan that you have laid involves leaving, but his intended end for you is staying? Explain to me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if your choice is a crowd? I just want to hang out with some folks. But his intended end for you is isolating you so that he can get you all to himself. All by, What are you going to do? You've got to answer that question now before you get to the detour. Now, y'all ain't helping me none this morning, but... But I'm trying to help you that if you don't understand and deal with these decisions right now, when that kind of detour comes along and your expectations are not met, you will get mad at God or mad at your spouse or mad at your dog because your dog got sick when he shouldn't have gotten sick. And now he's cost me like $9 million and I don't know what I'm going to do. You'll get mad at your car. You get mad at your kids. Can you, you failed that test. Let me get that knife back out. What are you doing? Detours. What are you going to do? If your expected end does not line up with his intended end. Will you continue to follow obediently or will you stop? Will you keep giving? Will you keep what what will you deter from the deter? Uh, by the way, newsflash, anybody that ever deterred from the deter winds up in trouble. Go ask Abraham, because Abraham deterred from the deter. He went and got Hagar involved and had a little baby boy Ishmael and guess what thank you much because now we're still at war yeah it was a detour from the detour if you flunk kindergarten you got to go back to kindergarten and some of you keep failing in some areas in your life because you're detouring the detour because his intended end doesn't look like you're expected in and so now you're mad at God and everything that moves Great Christmas series, Steve. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Second question I want to ask you is this, because these are the detour decisions you have to make. Will you keep following when the answer is no? Now, 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 now listen. I, I, I know that we promote Abraham as this cape-wearing superhero of the faith. You know, he can leap tall mountains, single bound. I mean, he can run. He, he's this superhero of the faith. But pardon me, if you will, I kind of like to read his story as a dad reading a dad story. I, I know it doesn't record it. I, I'm not trying to add to Scripture. I'm not trying to say I, I, I got it. But I just am convinced with everything within my being that what I'm getting ready to describe to you happened because it still happens. And as a dad reading a dad story, it had to happen. Maybe you don't love your kids as much as I love my kids. I don't know. But I know it had to happen. Because when the word comes from God, Abraham, take your son Isaac, the son of promise, the son of destiny, your legacy, your life. Take him to a mountain. Lay him on a pile of wood and slaughter him as a sacrifice. I am convinced with everything that's within me that even though Abraham may not have said anything out loud, something had to be going on in the inside of him and there had to be a war and there had to be a battle and there had to be a conversation with God like this. God, I think I misunderstood you. Yeah, no, nah, God, that can't be what you're saying to me. That's just the pizza I ate too late last night, and I'm not hearing right. Can you say that again? Because that, that can't be what you're at. 
God, don't you understand? I got a whole bunch of animals, and they're great. I'll bring my best animal, and we'll sacrifice my best animal on the mountain, and that'll do because, you know, I, that, that's costing me too, and that's got to be sufficient. Sure, right, God? God, I have sacrificed enough. Do you recognize that I have left my home? I have left my family. I have left my friend. Surely, God, you're not talking. Not my son. I, I, I've sacrificed all I can say. Surely you wouldn't ask me for my son. But the answer comes back, no, you got me right. I require the son of promise as your sacrifice. What are you going to do when God says no? See, I know that conversation had to happen because it's the same conversation we have today when we hear no. Nobody in here likes to hear no from God. Nobody. There ain't one person in this room right now, I don't care how much righteousness, I don't care if you glow in the dark, you're so, so spiritual and close to God, and there's a halo over your head. Nobody likes to hear no. See, we claim that God knows everything, but we forget to rest in that. And so if he's saying no, he knows why he's saying no. Even though we don't understand why he's saying no, he knows. And we got to learn to rest in the no. See, we're perplexed when our plans get trumped by God's plans. We, we, we become troubled when we're told no, when we were sure our path was only going to be one big long yes. See, some of you can't figure out why your plans continue to fail. And why your plans and your ordered and your expectation and your dreams all continue to fall apart. And I just came to tell you that you've got to understand that if there is a better plan in store for you, then something has to dislodge you from your plan in order to make room and make a way for the better plan to come to pass. I think I ought to say that again. Some of you don't understand why your plans keep failing. And that is this, if there is a better plan for you, then something, ha God is working. We like to think God's always working for us. Just do what I want you to do, God, and we'll be good. What if he's working against you? What if he's actually working behind the scenes, making your plans fail because he knows in his knower that he's got a better plan for you? Then something has to dislodge you from your plan because God does not inhabit your plan. He inhabits your praise. So the plan may change, your praise cannot. And you've got to come to a place in your own walk with God that when your plans fall apart, you don't quit praising God. You don't quit serving God. You don't quit worshiping God. You don't quit giving because you recognize, God, you got my life and I submit it to you. Man, I'm preaching. See, 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 see. Some of you plan to be well, but you're sick. Some, some of you plan to, be, to have more than enough and, and, and now you're faced with lack and some of you plan to be in a relationship and now you're alone and some of you plan to be at ease and instead you're in struggle and some of you plan to succeed but now you're treading through disappointment and failure and, the, and, and here's the deal, the path isn't the issue it's just the detour 
The issue is will you continue to follow? Will the detour you are facing simply reroute you into a new level of faith or will it derail you into anger? Or will the detour sideline you into stagnation? Or will the detour cause you to quit and give up? Or will you just accept the no as readily as you're willing to accept the yes? See, it requires, I'm convinced of this, it requires very little faith to follow when the path is comfortable and enjoyable. Can I just tell you something? I don't have a, I have no problem with sacrifice. None. As long as it's yours. I got no problem with God calling you to give up stuff. No problem. Doesn't hurt me a bit. It is only when he asks me for my sacrifice that it gets kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm all for sacrifice. I'm all for commitment. As long as it's yours. And he doesn't ask me to increase mine. Isn't that where we are? We don't like detours. See, a detour forces you to learn to follow through a no. Some of you know really well how to follow through a yes. But what if God is saying No got to know what you're going to do let, let me ask you some questions this morning can you continue to call can you continue to follow God if God says kill what you love can you continue to follow God when he says give up what costs you can you continue to follow will you continue to follow at the same level of obedience will you continue to give him your all when he when he requires what you love more than life itself See, the question is this, and, and, and then I'll get out of your way. The question is this, will you turn the warning sirens off? Will you, will you stop fretting? Will you call off the crisis counselors? Will you come out of depression? Will you check out of suicide watch? Will you shut the fridge? You'll get that one later. And let the better thing happen. How many of you recognize that a lot of times we get no and we fight for the yes so bad that God steps out of the way and says, okay, go ahead, you ask for it. And then we get what we wanted and we recognize we'd have been better off if we would have accepted the no and allowed God to bring the better thing into our life. I'm preaching right now. Somebody needs to hear me. You're fighting past the detour, fighting past. I got to have it. I got to. He'll give it to you. And then you'll wish he wouldn't have. So what do we do? We scream, but we keep scratching. We mourn, but we keep marching. We rant. I don't mind you ranting. Rant all you want to, but you've got to keep reaching. You've got to keep marching towards what God has, has for you. And if it is following faithfully through a no, then you've got to come to this place where you are as willing to follow him in the middle of a no as you were in the middle of a yes. So the two detours decisions that you've got to make this morning is this. What if my expected end doesn't line up with his intended end? Which path will I choose? Abraham chose the intended end. What are you going to do if God's answer and response to all that you're asking for is a no? What are you going to do? Do you keep marching? Or do you sit down and be mad and give up? I find it interesting that, and this is probably true throughout Scripture, I think you could probably make a case for this, but I know it's the case here. I find it interesting that this detour led Abraham to an altar. 
See, I think the reason many of us don't know how to deal with detours is because we don't spend any time at altars praying it out. Oh, shoot. I didn't even have that in my notes. That was good. Somebody write that down. I don't add that thing. See, I think, I think some of us don't know how to de- handle detours anymore because we don't spend any time at the altar. The detour was intended to lead you to an altar because an altar is a place of surrender and sacrifice. And the, all, the, the, the detour is nothing more than God trying to get your attention back and get you to come back to the place where you'll lay your life. I don't care if you've been saved 96 years. If you ha- are not where you are at a place where you will sacrifice anything for him, then you are a prime candidate for a detour. And I just want to say to you, the only path that is acceptable and the only result of a detour that I think God is trying to get from us is to get us to an altar where we will pray through and say, God, I will sacrifice. I will give up my own plans. I know I've dreamed. I know I've, I've ordered it all out. I've got an expected end. I don't know what y'all got, but I got a whole lot of expectations going into 2013. But I am also willing to say this to God. If you want to take me on a detour and my expectations don't come to pass, as long as we get to where we were supposed to be then we're good and I think the only way that you can answer that and the only way that you can find that is at an altar because I am convinced of this and then I'll get out of your way that we don't learn and don't develop faith through direct paths faith is developed in detours because direct paths are easy but it is as you wander away from what you had planned that we are forced to allow our faith to grow and mature in him so I would just say this to you this morning some of you need to spend some time at the altar and some of you need to battle through these detour decisions and make up your mind what you're going to do when you're faced with one because I just got news for you Make all the New Year's resolutions you want to. Get your My calendar is fixed, man. I know where we're headed in 2013. The guys laugh at me on Sunday nights that I meet with. We got our sermon series planned out all year long. I know where we're going. We've met with the master planner. He's already drawn it all out. We know where we're headed. But what are we going to do if God steps in and says, no, no, not my intended end. I, I just need to tell y'all, corporately, I know what's happening uh, Individually, because I'm getting reports. We had two of our individuals this week that just got promotions. Surprise. No, I'm not surprised. This is just step upon step of what's happening in our body. I just need to tell you, as a body, we have been faced over and over and over and over and over and over and over again all year long with a bunch of yeses. And you, we've been following God through it all. I'm not trying to set us up for something bad. I'm just saying, what if in 2013 there's some no's? We got to be as willing and committed to follow through that as we were through all the favor and all the yeses. Father, you know our hearts. God, I know under the sound of my voice there are people that are, some of them are right smack dab in the middle of the biggest detour of their life. They're in pain.
because you're with me. Yeah, it's a teacher. I didn't plan for this. It doesn't even come close to what I expected. But God, I'm willing to rest in your ordered steps, knowing that if I'm taking these steps now out of obedience, then there must be a better plan. God, I know and I submit to you today that you don't live in my plan. You live in my praise. So, Father, I pray this morning for folks that are going through a teacher right now that are struggling to praise you and struggling to keep their head up and worship you and struggling to serve and struggling to obey. God, I pray that you would speak to them today and let them know you got them. You got them. You're right there with them. They don't have to be afraid. So, Father, I pray that individually and corporately together we wrestle through these two tough decisions. What if our expectations are not met? Then, Father, I say corporately we will continue to follow because we want your intended end. And we know we will arrive better than what we ever expected if we just trust you. And, Father, we wrestle through today this very difficult question. What are we going to do when you say no? God, I pray over my congregation today and I ask you in Jesus' name, I pray that you would allow a spirit of obedience to rise up in us and we would follow you as obediently and faithfully through the no's as we do through the yeses. God, we, this morning, will take some time and fight through these hard decisions so that we'll know what to do. Jesus' name. I want you to look at me real quick. This is how we're going to end this morning. I really prayed about how we should end this morning. This is different. You're sitting in your chair. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm convinced, as I've already said, that faith is not developed in direct paths. It comes through times of detour. I'm also convinced that the detours in our life are intended to lead us back to a place of sacrifice and submission to an altar. I think we need to spend some time there this morning. And so whether the altar is a chair two or three rows over or whether it's up here at the front, doesn't matter. I know I'm corny. Y'all know that, so you've got to forgive me for this, but this is just the way I see things. It would be real easy when I give an altar call just to stand up and do this. That's a direct path. It would be real easy just to stand up and go, I'm going to the altar. But I really feel like the Holy Spirit said we ought to do it this way. If you need to spend some time praying about the detours you're facing or that you will face, I want to challenge you this morning to take an indirect path. Not the path you would have chosen. It's the path He chose. And so, as I give this call, maybe you're going to go to the front. I, instead of just going straight, I want you to take an indirect path. Maybe you're going to find a chair. I'm going to pray in that chair over there, so I'm going to go. And you do an indirect path. It's a teacher. And I believe that when you get to the place of the altar, what you're going to discover is that God's going to meet you there. And His plan is better. And provision is there. I want you to stand with me this morning. Father, search our hearts. God, we need strength. I don't know everybody's story in this room, but God, I know some of them. And I know some of them are really facing some major path adjustments. I pray you'd give them strength today to speak.
spend some time in your presence and walk through turning a no into a victory march turning an unexpected end into the greatest day and most miraculous moment of provision in our life I pray in Jesus name if you need to spend some time at an altar I encourage you right now for just a few moments before Pastor Danny comes and makes announcements and receives our morning tithes and offering would you just step out and find an indirect path to where you need to pray and spend some time in prayer and then we'll shift gears it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember you can't live without passion